Well, good morning. Happy Easter. It's pretty exciting, huh? I see your chest kind of ready to break through with the excitement. Well, um, you can go to 1 Corinthians 15. Um, We'll get there in just a second. Um, Whether you know it or not, um, this is the biggest day in the history of the world. This is the most important day in the life of a Christian ever, what we celebrate today. So if I come with some fire today, probably don't anticipate much different, right? But if I come with some fire today with maybe a little bit more, there's a reason for that. Um, it's, been, it's been quite a weekend uh, quite a weekend, um, and I just, I just love, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say this, I just love God's work, because God is a God of redemption, God is a God of newness, a God of restoration, a God of hope, and so this morning we're going to talk about the hope of the resurrection, and I wanted to find um, hope for you for a second. Hope is this, a confident expectation. Okay, so it's not this, man, I hope this happens, but it's a confident expectation like I know this is going to happen because of a certain someone. And then resurrection, um, just so we're on the same page, uh, two things that we're talking about resurrection-wise. Number one, the idea that Jesus rose from the dead resurrected from the dead. Um, number two, um, the idea that one day Christians will be resurrected out of this place to be with Jesus. Okay, so to make sure we're on the same page there, um, let's pick it up at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, let's stop there. Okay. So, I don't know what type of activities you do um, for Easter. Um, if there's things that you do as a family, or maybe you did growing up. Um, last night and into today, we did a, an activity with our kids. Um, and some of you have probably heard of this. Uh, we totally swiped it off the internet. Um, the empty tomb cookies. Anybody seen those? Okay, um, I can give you the link here later. Um, okay, so what, basically what happens is we made some cookies with Mikhail and Tobin, um, and there's different ingredients that represent different aspects of teaching, ways you can teach about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Okay, and I won't go through all of them, but for example, one of the ingredients in um, this cookie is almonds, and you take a wooden spoon and you have the kid break the almonds with a wooden spoon. My daughter loved that. I'm absolutely floored she didn't break the wooden spoon. I had two there, and she was like... Um, so, uh, to, to represent Christ's beatings, um, you had uh, salt that represented uh, tears, 
And, and morning, uh, we actually had her taste vinegar. I think the, the, the ingredients, uh, the, the direction said have her smell it. And we're like, no, she's tasting it. <laughs> she's t- and she tasted it. And she's like, gross. And she like took off to the bathroom. And, was, and, like, um, and so you walk through all of these different steps that, that represent different aspects. And then what happens is you, is you, you put it in the oven. Um, you turn it to like 300 degrees. You preheat it. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. 300 degrees. You put these cookies in the oven. Um, there's more ingredients than what I already said, just in case you're like, how does that make cookies? Um, and then you give, you give the kid tape, and they tape it shut. Symbolic of sealing it, okay? And then you turn the oven off, and you make them go to bed. That went over real well. Because um, we're like, we're going to make cookies. And she's like, well, we're going to bed? So this morning when she woke up, uh, we went and um, took the tape off. Uh, a symbolic of, you know, the stone being rolled away. And uh, the cookies kind of have no center in them. And they're um, an empty tomb to represent um, a risen Christ. Um, and in the midst of doing all that, I mean, it was chaotic. I mean, you, uh, here, uh, you know, as a pastor, as a teacher, like, I'm like, I think Danielle's laughing at me, like, I got my Bible, and I'm like, okay, Mikhail, here's what we're going to do. And she's like, running over here, like, breaking eggs, and like, I'm getting frustrated, and we're like, remember Jesus rose from the dead. Like, I mean, it was, it was bad. Um, and I'm like, wow, this probably isn't going quite how it should be. Um, so, the passage in First Corinthians begins with, now I would remind you, um, because like, this word remind literally means to have you know something. And so the point of going through this activity with my kids was because I wanted them to know something very important. I don't know how much of it they got. Other than I got to beat a table with a wooden spoon and break an egg when I wasn't supposed to, and Daddy yelled and da 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 or whatever. Um, I, I don't know how much of it they actually got, but but beginning to to do different things to help remember and help them recall different situations. Let's keep going. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. I want to point out this aspect really quick about this. Notice the three-part aspect of the gospel. You have Paul who's saying, I preached this to you, you received it. Okay, so this is speaking past tense, in which you stand. So presently now, here and now, you're standing in the weight of the gospel. And in which, by which you are being saved. So this past, present, future, this link goes all over the scriptures. Continue on, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died. Okay, um, notice he uses the words, I delivered to you of first importance. So he's writing this letter to these believers who are struggling with their understanding of the resurrection. Some of which believe in the resurrection of Christ, but there's these people called the Sadducees that didn't believe there would actually be a second coming. Okay? And so he's like, of first importance, part A, Christ died. Um, some of you were here Friday night. 
as we gathered for a Good Friday service um, in this very room. Um, it was a dark and stormy and crazy evening, interrupted in the middle of the service to take cover in the hall, in the office, um, and on our phones, figuring out what's going on, getting nervous about tornadoes in the area, the word of tornado in Ferguson and the Maxidents' home and daughter in the house, and just the, the, the darkness of that night. And, and I kind of walked out of that night thinking about this because I'm like, the Lord really wanted to communicate something. Like he wanted to stop our service and be like, not because our service was bad, right? But to think about, okay, what does Good Friday represent? Darkness. Pain. Death. I think that the darkness of it, now there was some hope, obviously, in the midst of some of the craziness, but the darkness came through, absolutely. And, and when Paul's talking here and he says that Christ died according in, of, for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, I think he's possibly referencing Isaiah 53. Are you familiar with Isaiah 53? It says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. He died. It wasn't just some random guy. It was, like, it was, it was somebody who actually did an act that atoned for sin because of what we celebrate today. And then verse 4 goes on to say he was buried. Okay, so it wasn't like this magic trick, like this guy died, and then all of a sudden, poof, like he rose again. Like, they actually put him in a cave, in a tomb, dead. I mean, think about, think about this. Put yourself in the shoes of those people that were following close beside him, who for years and years and years, heard about there's going to be a Messiah coming, there's going to be a Messiah coming, there's going to be a Messiah coming, and then all of a sudden one comes, the one they think is the Messiah, and what happens? They crucify him. And they put him in a cave. Buried. The hope. I mean, just, just imagine that. I love this passage in, in Luke 24. So there's some followers of Jesus who are walking down a road. It's on Easter Sunday. And they don't know the hope of Easter at this point. Um, and so they're walking down a road um, to Emmaus. And they're, they're interacting. And what happens is, is they're talking about all that's gone on. And, and listen to this interaction. Um, Luke 24, beginning at verse 18. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him. So him being Jesus... Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Okay, so here's, here's what it'd be like. It'd be like somebody lives in North County. And you're like, yeah, man, you believe all the tornadoes and just the storms. And they'd be like, storms? Well, there's storms in North County? Huh, I didn't know that. Like, what? Like, wake up. Like, where, where have you been? Like, Jesus says, what, what things? Now, he knows what happened, obviously. 
And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Now listen to this phrase. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Now the despair, I think, in that moment, I think Jesus is just smiling inside because he knows the hope. He knows who he is. He knows that he's risen, and they didn't know who they were talking to. For them in that moment, it was disastrous. But maybe I'll just throw this question in here real quick. What what about you? What is it for you that you put your hope in, or if you're like, if only I just had a a good relationship with so-and-so. If only I just got married, or if only I could get a new car, or if only I got a job, or if only I had a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Like, what, what, is it, what is it for you? Because here's the hope of the resurrection. The hope of the resurrection is that there is there's one true Savior. The reality of the resurrection is that there's one true Savior, and we know that because when we keep reading, here's what it says. Verse 4. Back in 1 Corinthians 15. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So the things that the Scriptures predicted to take place actually took place. And he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely Born, he appeared also to me, for I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Now, Here, in this moment, Paul is speaking to some people who will affirm everything he's already said. Who will affirm that Christ rose from the dead. But the problem comes into, they then will negate the reality of him returning. Okay, and so Paul's going to go in and show them the foolishness of them thinking that the resurrection isn't going to happen And what he's going to say is he's going to say that the present reality of what we live in right now really is silly if you think about there really not being another coming of Christ. Okay, pick up at verse 12, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? So they're like, Christ died, Christ rose, but Christ coming back? what What are you talking about? Paul's like, you're foolish. Verse 13, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Okay, so so think about this for a second. Paul is beginning to say that if Christ has been raised, then what happens is there's movement that starts forward that's going to bring about the reality of a second coming. Okay, because 
Christ rolls in this new, this new hope, this hope of the end, this hope of he's going to return. And so, listen, if this day doesn't happen, you can forget Good Friday. Like, I, think, I don't know if you think about this, but we take communion like every Sunday, and we do the bread and the juice, and we think about the broken body of Christ. Do you realize that if the resurrection doesn't happen, this is meaningless? Because he's just like every other, you know, God, dead. But no, the resurrection is what gives meaning to what happened on Good Friday. The hope and the new life is what gives meaning and weight to the darkness of that night. So here's what it is. The the resurrection actually gives us a message worth communicating because if the resurrection doesn't happen, what does it say? Our faith is futile. It's pointless. There is no hope. So, how about you? Is, is it worth communicating? Like, that's what, that's what Paul's talking about. And our preaching is in vain. He's like, no, our preaching isn't in vain. Because we have a risen Lord. And people need to know about this risen Lord. Verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify that, about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise... If it is true that the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. So, listen, here's what it's saying. If, if Christ isn't raised, what is he? He's a liar. But what Easter Sunday shows us is that we have a God who's not a liar. We have a God who's trustworthy, who does what he says he's going to do. Right? Like even in the midst of darkest times. He does what he says he's going to do. Every single time you have the opportunity to be the first person that God has ever failed. Try him. He's not a liar. Do you believe that? Do you trust him? That's that's what today means. Today is a day of hope that shows us that he's truthful. Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. I mean, how hopeless is that? If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So, the meaning of this bread and juice symbolically in what the, the cross means, there is no forgiveness if there is no resurrection. None. And so I hope there's some angst in you today, maybe just me, but I hope there's some excitement in you today. I hope there's some joy in you today if you are a Christian in the room. Because this day is the, the reason why you have hope. It's the reason why we stand here, we sit here with the understanding 
of our identity. As accepted, as we stand uncondemned before God. I love this quote uh, by commentator Gordon D. Fee. He says, By believing in Christ's death and resurrection, we have placed our trust in Christ to forgive us our sins. But if Christ is not raised from the dead, that means we not only do not have present forgiveness, but have lost our hope for the future as well. And if we have believed in the future when there is no future, then of all human beings we are most to be pitied. Not because Christian uh, Not because Christian existence is interested only in the future, but because the loss of the future means the loss of the past and the present as well. Here's the thing. Okay, so as a Christian right here, right now, it's not that we're only interested in what's to come, but it's that if what's to come isn't going to happen, then what's here and now has no purpose and no meaning. And even what's happened in the past, whatever that may be, has no purpose. Because of the fact of what the future resurrection means based on the resurrection of Christ. So to deny Christ in his resurrection is actually to deny the reality of Christianity. And what Christianity claims to be. Um, Let's just think real practically here for a second. Hoping in this life, there were... Probably half the people in this room were over at the Maxidens yesterday. Cutting trees, packing up stuff. Um, and I don't know if you do this, um, but in those situations, like, I like to just kind of watch people. You're like, were you watching me? Maybe. No. Um, but like, the different homeowners, the different people that like, we're just in despair. They can't live in their home. Well, there are a bunch of us guys who went down the street and there was one house, this older couple, and you could, hard, you could stand at the end of their driveway and you could hardly see their house. There was so much junk. We spent maybe an hour just, and we cleared it. And like, the joy that it brought to that man when he came out and he's just like, I just cannot thank you enough. And I saw these conversations happening. But here's the thing. Many of these people that we interacted with, their hope is in their house. Their hope is in their car. Their hope is in their material possessions. And Paul's saying, if our hope is only in this life, it's a pity. It is a pity because what's going to happen? Tornadoes are going to come. Crazy mess is going to happen. But our hope isn't in this life. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been risen from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So you ever want to play the whole like, doggone it, Adam. Man, if I was there, boy, I would have done it totally different. You screwed us over. Okay, so we can play that game. Okay? For, for as in Adam all die. 
It stinks. We're in trouble. So if we want to, no, let's not do it that way. Okay, then. Then we'll throw out the whole, as in Christ, all can be saved. You see the, you see the, the parallel there? That's what, that's what Paul's pointing out. For as in Adam, all die. So also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. After destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. If you are a Christian here today, you're guaranteed the resurrection. Because here's what the scripture says. This passage uses the word first fruit, which is like a down payment or like earnest money. Okay? And so it's the same word that's used when it talks about we have the Holy Spirit as an inheritance. We have the Holy Spirit guaranteeing our inheritance. It's that, it's that seal. That's, that's the promise of what the resurrection means when we embrace it by faith. Now look at the victory of the end of the, the chapter. Verse 50. I tell you this, brothers and sisters. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Shall not all sleep, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. So for those of you that think you're immortal, it's not true. One day, as a believer, you will be. But notice 54. This is big. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortal. So what it's saying is that when we go from being these, these finite mortal beings to, to then being eternal beings, in a sense, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Okay, so let me, let me explain this with this. So a year ago Tuesday, uh, a buddy of mine uh, that I discipled for several years took his own life. And I was asked by the family to come to their house and lead up just a time of encouragement and devotion. And there were like 50 people that just crammed, maybe more than that, crammed in their living room. And the sting of death was present. Okay, like we read this and it says, Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Like death has a sting. And it was evident on everyone's face. And as much as I tried to bring hope and bring encouragement, you could still look to hope, but there's still a sting in death. They lost a son. A five-year-old girl lost her brother. 
A 13-year-old boy lost his best friend, his brother. A girlfriend lost her boyfriend. And on and on and on. There's a sting in that. Now there's hope because he was a believer. And he's with Jesus because of the resurrection. But the reality is this. That even in the midst of the sting of life, that's present. Don't let anyone tell you that there's not sting in life for a Christian. No, there is. Ask Rick and Jen. Okay, they trust the Lord. Does it hurt? Is it hard? Heck yeah. I mean, you guys know that. Look at verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So the resurrection brings us reality that death, sin, pain, and the devil all have an end. They all have an end. I love what... Pastor K. Edward Copeland said at a Gospel Coalition conference I was at several years back, he said, if God is God, and he is, and if truth is truth, and it is, then evil is never capable of a perfect plan. Every lie has an end. Why? Because we have a God who's who's conquered the grave who walked in victory. And we celebrate that today. And I hope you celebrate that today. And I hope when we end here in a second that we celebrate. I mean, that, that we would maybe long for the day when this would end. We could say, forget like doing church like this. Like, let's just go see him. Like, let's just go be with him and see him face to face. And he's like, not yet. Not yet. One day there will be a resurrection. For now, we trust in the resurrection of Jesus. By raising Christ from the dead, God set in motion the final overthrow of death itself. Hence, the inevitable fact in nature of our own resurrection. So I don't know where you sit today. I hope that the joy in your heart is a little bit different than the look on some of your faces. But today's the day to celebrate. I don't care where you are at in life. Your situation, it's been conquered. If you are in Christ, it has been conquered. Whatever sin you struggle with, like you have victory over that sin. Can I just speak that over you right now? You have absolute victory over that sin. You might not be walking in that. You might be walking in your flesh and trying to do it in your own strength. But as a Christian, you have absolute victory victory 
And the power of God is at work in your life. Romans 8 says. Because the Spirit of God is in you. And none of that's true if we don't have Easter. So I'm going to pray. And we're going to celebrate. Can, can we do that? Like, I've been with some of you before. I have. I've seen some of you really celebrate. And it's funny some of the things we celebrate sometimes. But like, can we celebrate a risen Savior who offers hope? He will return. And can I say this before I pray? Maybe you're at a place where you're like, I just can't. And, and maybe it's like, I want to. But I just don't feel like, I just don't, don't have it. Tell him that. Tell him that. Confess that. I know today is a day of celebration. Lord, by your spirit, awaken my soul to celebrate. And maybe somebody says, I don't know this reality. Or I've sat in this room for weeks and weeks and weeks. Or I've been in church forever. And the reality of the gospel and the cross has been a blur to me. But not today. Man, let's talk. Mike and Rachel will be in the back, or you can talk to whoever. But let's celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Let's pray. Father, you are king. And you reign. And you conquered the grave. You conquered sin. You've conquered everything we face. We know the end of the story. God, right now, the whole creation is groaning together in pains of childbirth. As Romans 8 puts it. But we have a hope. And you've sealed that hope for us by faith in your resurrection. And so, Father, would you enable us to celebrate? Would you enable us to enter into new life today? That maybe we've been living in despair. Maybe we've been living in a midst of lies. Maybe we've been living in a pit of hell. God, might we come to see the freedom and the joy that comes in knowing your resurrection power that is at work within us who are yours. God, would you lead our celebration? Pray in Christ's name.